0: Herod was greatly troubled. And all Jerusalem with him, says St. Matthew. See, Herod really wasn't an authentic king. He was a puppet king of the Roman Empire. There were no kings in this part of the world. One alone is king, Caesar. So Herod is a political appointee, of the region Quirinius was governor of Syria in that time and they all took their orders from Rome ultimately Herod was very important to the Romans this was the time of the great Pax Romana the Roman peace under Augustus Caesar and the Romans were brilliant at religious tolerance at this time They knew that the only way really to manage all these different tribes and nations was to allow these peoples to practice their religion. As long as they paid the tax, everything was fine. So Herod's job as a Jew was to make sure the people obeyed. There were no insurrections. He had to make sure that the Iscariot family, the Iscariotes, the revolutionaries of their day, were under control and make sure the tax was taken up which made the Jews very angry at him for collusion with the Romans, the pagans. So he is a politically very insecure man. He doesn't really have any military of his own because the Romans are in control. He has no great wealth except what he's stolen and he lives in a beautiful palace, but he has real no power, no power at all over things. He just administrates and he hears the news of a newborn king of the Jews. Now in his mind, we're using now Herod in the natural order in its fallen state. In that natural order, the fallen state, Herod represents that political insecurity, that insecurity of one's own wealth and health and power and prestige and position. And no one is going to take this from him. He is greatly disturbed that someone has come to take his job. Do you know the experience in Washington? Yeah. What do we do when we're politically insecure? When we worry and fret about someone else taking my job, taking it away, eliminating me? Well, we have a choice. We can give in to those standards which say, okay, I'm going to simply do my best and let the cards fall where they are, or I'm going to manipulate the situation. And that's what Herod does. So here are these other kings, and these are astrologers. They may have been themselves kings from the Arabian Peninsula, because Isaiah prophesies about kings from Sheba, and Midian and Ephah. This is part of the Arabian Peninsula, who come to Bethlehem. They are fascinated, as astrologers are, and even today as we are, with light, stars, energy, and they marvel at this magnificent natural phenomenon of this light that hovers over that part of the world at this time where the planet's of Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn are aligning and creates this enormous energy. And they're fascinated by the star, this phenomenon of light. They're scientists of their day, and therefore they are the wise men. Those who study the stars, even today, physicists who look at the Hubble telescope and measure the beginnings of light now down to 10 to the minus 20 second, we are fascinated by light, the stars the measurement of time past, the measurement of motion. So they come, and they are so happy to announce we have heard about this newborn king of the Jews. So what does Herod do? He manipulates the situation because of his insecurity, and Matthew tells us he calls them together secretly. Let's have a little meeting We're not going to tell anyone about this, right? Let's make a deal, okay? Now, I know you want to go and pay homage, and I want to pay homage too, right? So tell me when you find him so that I too can honor him. Ultimately, of course, Herod is already planning the massacre of little boys under the age of two. He'll do this over the course of several months, maybe even a year or so, just to ensure that that baby, that king of the Jews, that long-awaited prince, is dead. And you know the story. Mary and Joseph and the baby flee into Egypt. They go away. They get away from the Middle East. And they go many, many months into exile to escape the murder, the plan, the manipulation. Herod dies, of course. And then Joseph, Mary, and the baby return. Now, this is Herod, the Agrippa. This is not Herod the Tetrarch. That's his son. He'll come 30 years later, and you'll read about him on Good Friday. It's all in the family. So King Herod hears this news, and he is greatly troubled. Now, this is because Herod has the estimation of what a king should be. A king should have tremendous worldly power. It should be manifest with money, economy, military, royal courts, palaces, and a lot of slaves, a lot of workers, and you're in charge. That's how we estimate a king. Power. The power of the world. Now, the wise men, on the other hand, understand kingship differently. They're fascinated by the star, but when they arrive they see something quite different. They don't see a king or a prince in a palace. No, they find a little boy wrapped in rags in a hovel in the most pathetic circumstances of life. There is no royal court. There are some shepherds. Those are poor, ignorant people in their day. This is not in the city, this is outside. So it's in the fields, it's exile it's outside the walls this has nothing of the trappings of a king but they see something now i want to reflect on that the word magi comes from latin magus greater these are great men these are magi and think about the english word imagine, imagine magi. These are men who imagine something. We would call that belief. But they're magi because they imagine something. Something very different from what the eye sees naturally, but sees now with the gift of faith. And what they see is not the power of the world. They see the power of God. This is quite different now. The long-awaited king of the Jews is a baby boy born in a dump? Yes, exactly. God has inverted everything and said, I will be born not according to the world's standards. I will be born according to my standards. So what do they see? Do they see power and glory? Yes, but not the power and glory of the world, not the world of Herod, who could never imagine anything different. That's why Herod is not Magus. He's not one of the Magi. He can't imagine. He can't believe what he has heard, except a threat. So this is where we have a choice. If we're truly going to be among the Magi, the wise of our time. We're going to discern carefully the standards of the world and its standards of power and glory and fame and power, position and prestige on the one hand, or the true power of God in weakness, vulnerability, trust. I mean, this is the example of Our Lady. This is the example of Joseph. I mean, imagine what the magi must have seen. Not just the baby, but this mother and this father and these shepherds and hearing the angels. Their whole world must have been turned upside down as they saw and believed because they imagined the power of God as something quite unique. Now friends, the Magi saw something very special, quite extraordinary. Now what do you see when you look into the manger? When you look upon him as vulnerable and weak as he must have been? You reflect and you imagine the power of God. And this is the power of God that is manifest in your weakness, in your suffering, in your loneliness, in your heartache, you see, again, the world will say, all of that is such a downer. All of that is so tragic. All of that is so pathetic. And we should be getting rid of all of that. Friends, we have tried to get rid of sickness and disease and even death since the dawn of time. It's not going to happen anytime soon, I guarantee you. Now, that's good news. Why? Because it tells us we must rely upon the power of God not the power of the world. It causes us to then wonder and ponder again the power of God under these circumstances. So Jesus was never more powerful than in a cradle and truly no more powerful than on a cross. Now the world says that's ridiculous, but you imagine you imagine, you are magi, you believe. Now, why do you believe that? And the world doesn't. Why will the birth of Jesus always be one of the greatest enigmas the world will ever have to face? Because the world looks for God in all the wrong places. It always has, as Herod did. Herod represents all of that. He'll never be a wise man. He'll be a wise guy. Ah. Remember wise guys? Yeah. What's a wise guy? As opposed to a wise man or woman. Well, a wise guy manipulates things. Clever. Calculating. Knows how to kind of work the system. That's make a deal. Wise guy. That's Herod. That's not true wisdom, that's sham wisdom, it's phony, it's false, and it serves oneself. But when you are truly wise, when you imagine, like the Magi, you then see things the way God sees them, as revealed in Jesus. So now you begin to look at people differently. You may even begin to look at yourself in this new year differently. And this is very important that we start looking at ourselves and looking at each other as true gifts from God. Not the gold, frankincense, and myrrh that represents the world, but rather the person. The human person made in the image and likeness of God, made man. As John Paul II once said, that unique, unrepeatable reality that is the human person. Now that is what Catholic Christianity in particular offers as a gift to the world in every generation. That's what we're best at, proclaiming that, protecting that, serving that, safeguarding human life from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death. That is so important that someone in the world is doing that and proclaiming that. But we do that because we're magi. Now also the Magi represent the other ends of the world. So now salvation, which was prophesied to be from the Jews, for the Jews, is now being proclaimed through Isaiah and then perfected in St. Paul to the Gentiles. So the Magi represent the other corners of the world. All of mankind is now being redeemed. So now we see in our neighbor not just the Christian Not just this person or that, but we see us all united now because of what Christ has told us he's doing when he says, this is my body, this is my blood for you and for the many so that sins may be canceled so that you can be reconciled to God through me for all, Jew and Gentile alike. This is the great manifestation that Christianity gives the world that it's not just for one person or one tribe, one family, one nation, but for all. Omnes gentes, all nations, all peoples, shall come to adore him. That's what makes us wise. That's what makes us blessed. And the great blessing, of course, is that while we can't be there in Bethlehem to witness it ourselves, we have him here, born this day, son of God, son of Mary, and behold what the wise man only saw in faith, so you see and receive. His body and blood, powerful, victorious over sin and death and the means of salvation for you and for all. It's right here. Imagine that.